Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So we are continuing the series we're calling All In, and it is based in what Jesus called the greatest commandment. Um, It's found in, in Matthew 22, where Jesus was asked one day, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus gave them this answer. In fact, we're going to put it up on the screen. I'd like you to read this out loud with me, would you? What is the greatest commandment? Jesus said it's this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's the greatest thing. If you do nothing else, he said, with your life, this should be the focus of your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Not part way, not partially, not every other weekend, not you know, when it's convenient, but, but your whole life. And we've been talking about what does that look like? And this came out of actually conversations and discussions we were having in the leadership team. Because we've been talking about how God has been so gracious and so um, blessing the life of this church and the, the lives that we've seen change. A number of people uh, taking steps of faith and, and moving forward in baptism and discipleship and people making financial commitments and letting God run their lives in that direction. Um, and just, we've just seen over and over again God just doing some incredible things here. And one of the things we started asking ourselves, okay, but our mission is to help unchurched people become wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. How are we doing in that regard? Attendance is up. Things are going great. We've got fun. You know, all those episodes. But, but on the inside... How are we doing? And that makes us ask the question, well, what would it look like if we were doing well? What does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart? And we talked about that last week, that your heart is that decisive center of your will. It's the heart that makes the decisions and the devotions and the commitments of your life. It's out of what's inmost in you, your heart. It makes those kinds of decisions. And to love the Lord with all your heart is to give him 100%, to make the decision to follow him wholeheartedly. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the soul. Um, what's the difference between the heart and the soul? Because I want to challenge you this morning to go all in with your soul. What does that look like? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about. And, and any one of us here who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, he is talking about your soul. Be wholehearted, be whole-souled in him. Now, if you are here this morning, and we know every weekend we get together, there are people who are still kind of in that deciding process. You're kind of checking it all out. You don't know enough about faith, about God, about the soul, or any of those things. So you're not really sure where you stand. I'm glad you're here this morning, because this morning, hopefully, will give you a little bit more understanding, a better direction as you head down in that direction of faith, okay? So this morning, we're going to talk about your soul. And I want to start with this question. How many here would say, you know, there are times when I find that I'm not doing the things that I really want to do, I'm not doing the good things that I know I should be doing or I really want to do. Or there are times when I find myself doing things that I know I shouldn't do, I don't really want to do, and when I do them, I say I will never do them again, but I still do them anyway, okay? Anybody here ever find that there's just a little bit of consistency between what I say I want for my life and how I want to live my life and what I actually do? Anybody? Okay, so we're all in good company this morning. What is that about? Why is that? Well, it has to do with your soul. It has to do with your soul. Jesus talked about the soul. On a couple of different occasions, he talked about it. We're going to look at one of them, two of them this morning. First in Matthew 16. This is some of Jesus' words regarding the soul. 
said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? There's something valuable here about the soul. Matthew 11, verse 28, he says this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, you have a soul. (laughs) And that soul was designed to live in relationship with God. And when it does, life is the way it's supposed to be. But when we get confused about that, when we lose sight of that, when we don't take care and nurture our soul, we end up wasting our lives, the one and only life we've been given. He says your soul is incredibly important. And and so this morning when we're going to talk about this, what I want you to do is I don't want you to be judging somebody else's soul. I want you to be thinking about your own soul. How is your soul this morning? What would it look like? What does it mean to love God for me? With all my soul. And I think it starts here. I think it starts with being mindful of the worth of your soul. That just being aware that you have a soul and it is valuable. Now that might seem like kind of just basic, almost like a strange place to start. But the truth of the matter is, we do not give much attention or thought to our souls. Most of our life, we don't think about our souls much at all. In fact, if I were to ask you this morning to write down for me a very clear, concise definition of the soul, chances are I bet not one person in this room could be able to do that. And the reason I'm so confident in that is I have spent this whole week trying to come up with a clear definition. And it's not easy. And I'm a pastor. It's my job to do this kind of stuff for crying out loud. It's so ethereal. It's It's so nebulous. How do you get a handle on that? What is my soul? How do I even know what it is to be able to take care of it? Well, your soul is the deepest part of who you are. It's the very deepest part of who you are. It's your thoughts, your values, your character, um, your your intentions, your ideas, your emotions. It's what makes you you. It's the very heart of who you are. I found a book, um, actually I read a while ago, but um, picked back up. That it's by Dallas Willard, it's called Renovation of the Heart, which I highly, highly recommend um, regarding this topic. Um, but he writes this about the soul. He came up with the best definition I could ever find. He says, the soul is that aspect of your whole being that correlates, integrates, and enlivens everything going on in the various dimensions of the self. It is the life center of the human being. It's what takes all those things that make you you and make sense out of it. It brings unity to it and harmony to it. He says what is running your life at any given moment is your soul, not external circumstances or your thoughts or your intentions or even your feelings, but your soul. We live out of a soul. It is what makes you you. And if you've ever been to a funeral where they have like an open casket, and you ever walked forward and looked at the body laying in the casket, it doesn't even look like the person that you knew. 
This, this really came home to me at my, at my grandfather's funeral because I went and I, looked, and, and I knew it was his body in there, but it did not look at all like I knew him to be because it was just the body. The soul was gone. All of the facial expressions, all the smiles, all, the, all those things that made him him was gone, and this was just a shell. And, and, and that, that's your soul. It's what gives life to everything else about you. And it is incredibly, incredibly valuable. It's the essence of who you are. Jesus said, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus said, your soul matters to God more than anything else, and it ought to matter to you more than anything else. It is the most precious thing you have. It is priceless. There's no price you could pay that would be worth losing it. One of my favorite, all-time favorite um, Christmas carols is O Holy Night. And, And I love the line in it that said, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I love that line. Because that's what Jesus does. He gives worth to our soul. The thing that we don't pay much attention to ordinarily. He says it is of incredible value. It is is the part of you that was created for connection with God. It is the part of you that drives you to seek after him. It's the way that God designed you so that you would move in his direction. And that's why you find all through the Psalms, which which are incredibly soulful um, poems and and songs, you find over and over again David saying things like, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He recognizes he has a soul. It's not just, Bless the Lord, O myself. It's, It's all that is within me. He writes in another place, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. It's the way that God designed you so that you would pursue him, so that you would look for him and long for him. That's your soul, and that's why it's of incredible worth. And so it starts with just understanding that you have a soul, and it is of great value. Not just to you, but to God. And then another thing I think about it is loving God with all your soul is letting go of the need to have things go my way. Because it's about surrender. See, we have a little bit of confusion with this idea of the soul. We get confused a little bit with the self, and they're not the same thing. The Greek word for soul, the, Greek, the, the word that you find in the New Testament for soul is suke which is where we get our English word, psyche. Psychiatry, psychology, the study of the soul. Well, it started out to be study of the soul, but what it's become is the study of the self, and they're not the same thing. See, because psychology, the study of the self, is all about self-improvement. It's all about self-esteem and self-actualization. And, 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 if, and if you're being beat down, you need to be self-assertive. You need to assert yourself. And if, and if you don't know what to do, well, just express yourself. Be yourself. And it's all about the self, self, self. And that's what we have substituted for our soul. But the soul, you are more than a self. You are a soul. And your soul is much deeper, deeper than yourself. Your soul is what unifies all that you are. Your thoughts, 
your emotions, your desires, your intentions. And, and you, we were made to live out of our soul. The trouble is we don't always do that. There are other parts of who we are that drive us. And that's why you end up doing things that you don't want to do or not doing the things that you know you should do and really do want to do. Because what happens is that your body has all these appetites and desires and they will hijack your soul. They will, they will, they will, they will draw you away from living out of your soul and you begin to live for your body or for your desires or for your appetites. And then people get into deep, deep trouble with addictions and compulsive behaviors, things that have to do with alcohol or, or food or, or sex or money or, or, or anger issues and all these other things because we get hijacked. Our soul gets hijacked by ourself. In fact, you could say almost the greatest threat to your soul, to the healthy soul, is yourself. <laughs> We are our own worst enemies. And we don't live out of the soul. And what happens is that our self kind of hijacks the soul. And that's what leads to sin. That we look to get desires met in unhealthy ways. Or ungodly ways. And and what happens is when we sin, it causes the degradation of our soul. We don't even realize it. But that's what sin is. It is essentially, it is the disintegration of your soul, which is meant to integrate all that you are. See, and that's why we feel so bad when we do those things, because we know we're, we're not in tune. We're not the way we should be. Because we're living not out of our soul, but out of ourself. And they're two very, very different things. And we even have, uh, we have terminology. We talk about things like, I just got to get it together. You know, or that person, man, they've got to get their act together because this disintegration, this fracturedness, that's what we're feeling. And love comes when we give up that self. That's what Jesus said. You don't get it together. What you do is you give it up. Whoever wants to be my disciples, he said, must deny themselves Take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. See, what he's saying is, as long as you live for the self, you keep pursuing the self, you're going to miss what life was supposed to be. But if you will deny that self, if you will live for me, if you will trust in me, you will rediscover your soul. And then you will truly find life. Because loving with all your soul, really at the bottom line, is about surrender. That's really what it is. In fact, all love is about surrender. Paul wrote about love, chapter 13 of of 1 Corinthians. It's probably the most famous passage in the Bible when it comes to love. That love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Those are all behaviors and attitudes that are selfless. That's what love is. And the truth, if you think about it, in any meaningful relationship, that's what it takes. It takes submission. It takes surrender to have a relationship. When I do premarital counseling with couples, um, when I perform weddings, one of the things I take a long time to talk about is the key to marriage is mutual submission. Because as long as you are single, pretty much all the decisions that you make in your life affect pretty much just you. And so you can pretty much do whatever you want within the law, <laughs> but you can pretty much do whatever you want because the only person it really affects is you. When you get married, when you join your life with somebody else, you don't get that luxury ever again because now every choice that you make, 
Everything that you do has an impact on somebody else's life. And so you give up yourself to find something better. And that's what makes a marriage work. Same thing happens in your relationship with God. You got to be willing to submit and surrender yourself and find the life that he has for you. And that's why regular times of worship, when we gather together on a weekend, this is why it is so important. This is why it is so nourishing to your soul. Because when we come together and we sing God's praises and we look at his majesty and we sing of his praise and we, and, and we learn from his word, we come to the realization once again that there is a God and it is not me. Because most of the week I spend living with me as God. <laughs> and, and that's why, by the way, you get so frustrated with things. Because you are not God, but you're trying to be God. And you can't assert your control and your authority over things and circumstances and other people the way that you would like to. And that's why you get so frustrated. That's why you get so frustrated sitting in traffic. Because you're stuck in traffic and you can't do anything about it, but it is annoying yourself and you just get so angry about it. You get so frustrated about it, but you can't do a thing about it because you're not God. You can't part the traffic. <laughs> and you get really, really angry at those motorcycle riders who split the lanes and get so... You know why you get so angry at them? You get angry because they are making progress and you are not. <laughs> that's the truth. You say, oh, that's very dangerous. They shouldn't be doing that. But what you're really angry about is they're making progress and you're not <laughs> because you want to be in control. And when I get together in worship, when I open God's word and spend time with him, I become more and more aware of the fact that there is a God and it is not me. And I need that reminder. And that's why surrender becomes so important. So loving with all your soul is to give up the need to always have things go my way. And you can only do that if you have a, if you have a confident trust in the goodness of God. Because I will not surrender, I will not give up, unless I believe that God is going to be in control and he's going to take care of me. And that's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 11. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, the surprising thing about loving God with all your soul, the surprising thing about loving God with all my soul is I'm the one who benefits. You're the one who benefits from it. You feel like you're giving something up, but what you're getting is something far, far better in return. The life on the soul level is a life of rest. Rest in confident trust and assurance that my life is in God's hands. And in His hands, it's going to be taken care of much better than it is in my own. Now, that's not ignoring my responsibilities. That's just simply saying, I am not ultimately responsible for the results and for the outcome. I, am still, need, I still need to be faithful. I still have a part to play in it. But the results and the outcome, they are beyond me. Those are in God's hands. I... From time to time, I've, I've done this. I've, I take these different personality tests or leadership um, style tests and all these things. Anybody ever take those kinds of things? Over and over again, it keeps coming up. My style is I, am, I, I fall in the achiever category. 
Okay? I love to make things happen. I love accomplishing stuff. I love including other people in accomplishing things. That is the stuff that drives me. That is my personality. That is the soul of me, if you will. However, the self of me, the dark side, (laughs) has a downside to it. Because I love accomplishing things and I love bringing people along and accomplishing things together, one of the downsides of that is I am constantly evaluating. I evaluate myself. I tend to evaluate other people. And I'm always asking myself, could I do more? Could I be better? How come I didn't? No, and and, and that's, that's kind of the dark side of that. And then I start evaluating other people. How come they're not as committed as I am? How come they're not making as much, you know, and, and doing as much as I am? And, and that's the downside. That's the self side of it. And, and I find myself even evaluating myself. There are times when I'm giving a talk, I'm giving a Sunday sermon, and one of the things that keeps popping into mind is, I wonder how this is going. I wonder if people are with me. Do they like what I'm saying? You know, am I, am I, am I, am I making progress here? By the way, how am I, how's this talk going this morning? No. Kidding. But that is deep within me. It happens all the time, and I just, you know, that is not the... My job is to teach and love on people and help them to see what God has for them. But I can't change anybody's heart. That's God's job. And when I'm living on the soul level, results don't matter to me so much because it's not by what the, that I'm judging my own effectiveness. I'm, I'm just learning to be faithful. Now, I wish I could say I live on the soul level all the time, but I do not. And neither do you. But to love the Lord with all your soul, to be able to entrust everything into his hands and to believe that he really does know what he's talking about and that he really does have my best interest at heart. And so I can trust him. When God's at the center, my soul can rest. And by the way, trust is the other side of love. There is the surrender side But the other side of that is trust. In fact, Paul wrote about that. He said, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Trust and surrender. They're they're the two sides of the same coin. There is that surrender I give up. But the other side of that is the trust that said, now it's in your hands, God. And that's what it means to live out of your soul. That's what it means to love the Lord with all your soul. And the surprising thing, like I said, is You are the one that benefits from that. That the life that God has for you, the life, the way way that God designed for it to be lived, the life that he created you to live is a far better life than the one you're living right now. It really, really is. I love this from Dallas Willard because he talks about this idea of surrender. He said, the self-denial of Matthew 16 and elsewhere in the Gospels is always the surrender of the lesser dying self For the greater eternal one, the person God intended in creating you. Jesus does not deny us personal fulfillment, but shows us the only true way to it. In him, we find our life. To take him as our master means that we trust that his way is right. And as he himself did, always look to the larger good under God. This is losing our life and thereby saving it. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship 
located in Venetia, California. 